If you have your Bibles this morning, you need to turn to the book of Joshua. We're continuing our little journey here in this wonderful book. We've come to know that the book of Joshua is a, a book about trials, battles, struggles, but it's also a book about victories. And as we've been going through this book, we now are in the fifth chapter. We know that Joshua has already led the, uh, the people over their Jordan. We looked at that last week. Two, some estimate anywhere between two and three million people crossed over the Jordan. And so we, I don't know about you, but I, I start thinking about, I, I, I bet you those people were like really, really excited. I mean, they're over Jordan. They're going, they're heading there in the promised land, the land that God had promised them. Can you imagine the excitement as they crossed over their Jordan? Many of you uh, I've talked to uh, expressed that uh, you crossed over your Jordans last week. We praise God for that. And that's exciting to know. It, it got me excited to think that some of you got over your Jordans. But I also have come to realize there are many others who are still on the other side you haven't crossed over yet. But God, God can lead you over if you just allow him to do so. And so we see now they're, they're excited. But now in chapter number 5 of Joshua, isn't this just like life? They get over one hurdle, bam, there's another one facing them head on. We now see that they're outside the walls of Jericho. Been to that place. Always enjoy going to Jericho because of this story. Because when I go to Jericho, I think about victories. And so here in, in verse number 13, we're going to go through verse 15. This is what the Bible says. And it says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eye, and he looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto the man, and he said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Look at verse 14. And Joshua... And, and, and then he said, nay. He says, but as captain of the host of the Lord, and I now come, and Joshua fell on his face uh, to the earth, and did worship and said unto him, what saith my Lord unto his servant? Look at verse number 15. And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoes from off thy foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. We see now, Joshua has led these people... And now they're right outside the walls of Jericho. Another battle, another struggle is about to take place. 
But we understand that that's just the way life is. Some of you, you might have crossed over your Jordan, but I'm just going to go ahead and let you be aware of the fact that you're probably going to face another struggle. You're probably going to face another battle. But I'm here to tell you by the authority of the Word of God, no matter what battle, no matter what wall, no matter what Jordan you'll have to face, if you allow the Lord Jesus Christ to work in your life and you ask Him for His will to be done in your life, you can have victory in your life today. And so we're going to preach a message entitled, Victorious Leadership. Now before you go ahead and tune it out, uh, every one of you in some form or fashion is a leader. Now, you might not be the leader of a church. You might not have leadership responsibilities within the church, but you're a leader. If you're a Sunday school teacher, you're a leader. If you're a deacon, you're a leader. If you're involved in a preschool in any form or fashion, you're a leader. It says, well, I'm not serving. Uh, I know I ought to be serving, but I'm not serving. But you're still a leader. Mom and dad, you're a leader. You're the leader of your family. Every one of us here today are in some form of leadership. And what we need to understand is that we can have victory in our leadership no matter how great or no matter how small our responsibilities that have been given to us, we can all be victorious in our leadership. So what do we see here? Well, the first thing that we see is uh, Joshua. We find Joshua alone. We also see that the description here is that the Bible says that he lifted up his eyes. So it's apparent that Joshua, right outside the walls of Jericho, that Joshua is having a one-on-one -on -one encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing that we need to understand this morning, if we're going to be victorious in our leadership, we better have set aside a, a time where we're alone with the Lord Jesus Christ. Alvin C. York, I don't know uh, much about mil military history, uh, but one of the things that I found out about Alvin C. York, the reason why I use Alvin C. York is my wife works for the VA there in Murfreesboro, and that campus is named after Alvin C. York. Uh, the story goes that in World War I, uh, he was the one of the most decorated soldiers of our time. The story goes that he captured single-handed, he captured 132 German soldiers. But there's more to that story. See, because of his faith, he was a believer. He was struggling between that he was going to be placed in a situation where he might have to take another man's life. Alvin C. York struggled with that. And he struggled in such a way that they went ahead and told him and gave him a 10-day leave to go back home and to uh, comprehend what he was going to do about this situation that he was having to deal with. So he goes home and he uh, starts consulting the Lord Jesus. 
the story goes on and says that uh, he went to uh, people that he trusted. He got some godly counsel. But the ultimate decision was based upon uh, his one-on-one with the Lord. And the Lord advised him and the Lord said uh, to him that it was God's will for him to go back and to be uh, fighting in the war. So that's exactly what Alvin C. York did. He understood that he not only could be a believer, but he could be a patriot as well. For those of you who have served our country or maybe presently serving our country, I want you to know uh, it's okay for you to do what you've been asked to do because the Bible is quite clear that you're under authority uh, and whatever has taken place in your life, you don't need to have any guilt about it. You don't need to have any shame about it because God will forgive you. But God also says it is okay for you to be able to serve in the capacity that you serve. So having said that, I want you to know this church is very grateful and we recognize many times, maybe not as many times, we, we recognize the fact of your value to our country and we thank you for serving our country so that we can enjoy the friends we have today. And it's okay to go ahead and give them applause. But many of you, Many of you have told stories about how you came to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior when you was on the battlefield. And many of our veterans are still suffering. My wife is quite aware of the fact she tells me story after story. There are still who are wrestling with that guilt and wrestling with that shame. But I got good news for you. The Lord can handle that for you if you just let him. And so we see here, Joshua has come to a point in his life like Alvin C. York did. And and so he's alone with the Lord. Now, here's what we need to understand. If we're going to be the victorious leader that we've been called to, to do, we need, first of all, that we need to be a shepherd. Now, wait a minute, I thought only the pastor was the shepherd. Yes, the pastor is the shepherd over this flock. But you also can be a shepherd to your family. You can also be a shepherd to your Sunday school class. You can also be a shepherd to to your toddler's class. No matter what capacity you have, if we're going to be victorious, the first thing that we need to recognize is that we need to be like a shepherd. Here we see the first thing that comes to mind when you're a shepherd is you will have a burden. I'm just letting you know you will have a burden. Joshua here had a burden. What was his burden? His burden was that he was going to go into another battle. He had a burden that even though they were victorious by crossing over, that he was fixing to go into a battle. He was fixing to face a walled city, but he got along with the Lord and because he had a burden. And the burden was that whatever decision that he was going to make was not only going to affect him, but it was going to affect others. In leadership positions, we have to understand that When we make decisions, it just doesn't affect us. When the pastor of this church uh, makes decisions, it's decisions for every one of us. 
Folks, I want you to know, I, I'm, I'm speaking from experience, that's a burden. Our deacons, oh, you might think that they just kind of, you know, have a little meat and drink a little coffee and, you know, and then go on their merry little way. But I'm here to testify to you today that our deacons have a burden because they know that the decisions that are made not only affect them, but it affects every one of us. We also see that when we make decisions as a husband or a wife, we do not take it lightly because the decision that we're making for our family affects our whole family. It's been said and, uh, that uh, a pastor, when uh, he falls, a ministry falls along with him. Oh, we understand when a mother or a father falls, a whole family falls. Oh, we also come to understand that no matter who you are, what position you may be having, that when you fall, others fall with you. We need to take it very seriously. And it's a burden for us to carry, is it not? Joshua had this burden, but he also had that reassurance. What was that reassurance? Well, the reassurance was uh, that in Joshua chapter 1, verse number 5, he rest and remember, uh, maybe he remembered this promise. And the promise was that no man will stand against you. Remember when he said that in verse uh, chapter 1 and verse number 5? He's talking to Joshua. He says, now Joshua, I want you to know, I've promised you this land. And so here, the way he was able to withstand and deal with the burden is because he had a promise. And the promise goes on and says that no man will stand against you. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, when you make a decision... And you've consulted the Lord Jesus Christ that your decision, you'll be able to handle the burden because God is with you. He's not against you. And then we also see that many people don't understand our motives. If you're in a leadership position, uh, many people don't understand your motives. When I am having to discipline my grandchildren and... I hardly ever do it, but just like y'all. But when I have to do that, they uh, will hear things like, I just want you to know, this is hurting me a lot more than it is you. Y'all remember that when when y'all were growing up and your parents said that to you? You didn't understand that motive, did you? You're thinking, how can that be? I'm the one getting the belt, not them. Oh, oh, oh. I forgot, we're not supposed to use belts or anything no more. We do it at our house, but... To... So, children's services, I'm at 2020 Arlington Road. But they don't, people don't understand our motives. I'm telling you... Some people may understand, but most of the time they don't understand. Why did you make that decision? Who gave you the right to make that decision? Well, you've been placed in a leadership position. And if you've been placed in a leadership position, could it be that the Lord put me here? 
And if the Lord put me here, I don't answer to you, even though I don't go out of my way to make decisions that are going to tick you off. Some people think that we do that. They're just doing that to tick me off. Now, who in their right mind would wake up one morning and say, all right, another day I can tick somebody else off. I like conflict to come into my life. I like people to talk ill of me. Oh, yeah, everybody wakes up with that on their minds. What's wrong with us? We never intend. We're wanting to, I'm telling you, the leadership of this church doesn't go and sit in rooms and say, how can we tick off the most people today? But that's what people think. But I'm not saying that we want to be and and we hear you and, and we try to work things out. But what I'm saying is, at the end of the day, we're not going to be standing before you on judgment. We're going to be standing before Him. And as long as the Lord knows my motives are pure and that I've consulted Him, I'm good. And so... Joshua, he consulted the Lord. He, uh, he had a burden. He had a burden of, about what to do. But uh, here we sit, go on and we see not only uh, did he have the shepherd, but I want you to notice uh, he understood his responsibility. Now, this is three key words. Just, just jot them down, get them in your mind. If you're in leadership, and here again, I'm talking to every one of us. We're all in some form or fashion a leader. If we're to be godly leaders, and if we're going to be leaders that God has intended for us to be, here's three things that are paramount in your decision making. First and foremost, you must seek God's will. You must seek God's will. That means that you have to push aside your feelings. You have to push aside what you think is best. You have to push aside your plan. You have to seek God's will. But the second thing, and when you're making decisions that are going to affect other people, you need to be able to honor God in your decision making. You're making a decision for your family. You seek God's will. You pray, God, will you show us your will? If it's getting a new job or if it's moving to another home or whatever the case may be or buying a car. He said, well, you think we ought to be praying about those things? You better be. Everything we do, we need to seek God's will. And then the second thing we must do is, is this going to honor God? I I had a, a pastor mentor back many years ago when I first surrendered and I was going to school I was working at a church and the pastor came to me and uh, he was very very uh, helpful to me but one day one of his members uh, drove up in a brand new T-top Corvette it was sweet it was nice so he pulled up and he went in there and he wanted uh, the pastor to go for a ride with him. So the pastor, you know, went and ride for him. So we're, uh, and, and I was uh, with some of the other staff guys and I said, you know, we, we can't let him get away with this. We got to give him a hard time about it. So they pulled up and they exchanging, you know, hey, thanks for the ride. Okay, he comes in. So we, uh, I said, uh, hey, pastor, uh, you think about getting one of those? You look real good in one of those. And he looked at us and kind of chuckled, but he says, I can't get one of those boys. 
And I thought, well, why not? I know how much you're making. You can afford a Corvette. I mean, they're paying you well. I was kidding, okay? He says, no, no, no. And then he got real serious. He says, I can't do that because if I did, what do you think the appearance would be when I drive up to visit somebody that's come to my church and I drive up in a brand new Corvette? Do you see where we're going with this? Now, is it wrong to have a brand new Corvette? Absolutely not. And if you do have one, I'll be happy to ride with you. <laughs> Think it'd be pretty cool, you know. But he did that because he thought it would not honor God. Some of you have made decisions that didn't honor God. And you messed up. If we're going to be victorious, we must seek God's will. We must honor God. But the last thing is, we need to realize that whatever decision we make affects more than just me. Joshua had a burden. A shepherd will carry a burden. But also we see here, uh, not only will it carry a burden, but we also see that he has a sense of protection. A good shepherd will protect his flock. Uh, here, Joshua, he says he saw a man. Now notice what he asked that man. He asked him, whose side are you on? See that? See, Joshua did not recognize who, who it was and he was concerned because he was very protective of his people that he was fixing to lead into battle. And so he's cautious of who's coming in. Church, we better recognize the fact we better be very cautious of who comes in especially if they're in a leadership position. Why do we do that? Because we're mean and nasty and we don't like other people? No, because we have a burden and because we have a burden, we're very protective. Your family, moms and dads, I know you're protective of your family and rightfully so. And while we're on the subject, let's go ahead and now we're probably going into meddling more than preaching. But one of the things that has come and caused uh, a lot of trouble within our families today is the use of social media. Oh, here he goes. My now, dear friend, I have nothing against Facebook. I have nothing against the Internet. And in itself, it's neutral. It's not good nor evil. But it just seems to me, and I know you can use it for good, but it seems to me that Satan's really got a stronghold on many of our people through social media. You better be checking out what your kids are texting and who's texting them. You better go ahead and quit trying to be a, a friend and be a mama and daddy. And that's what's happening in our society. Well, you know, I, I guess I ought to be checking, but I don't want to tick my kids off. Well, you know what? You might need to tick your kids off sometimes 
because on down the road, they're going to come back and thank you for what you've done for them because they're going to realize mom and daddy did that because they loved me and they were protected of me. And my dear friends, it's also within the church life. You might not like some of the things that are going on and, uh, and all that, but we're doing it to protect. Because I'm telling you, we are not winning victories because we have not been protective. You, first of all, have to protect your heart, have to protect your mind. But you have responsibilities that extend out. And so here Joshua, he says, whose side are you on? Now recognize the fact. Uh, the Bible says this is man. We call, no, it's the Lord Jesus, uh, pre-incarnate. We understand that. That he has his sword drawn and he's ready to get it. I mean, he's ready. But understand where your battles are originating from. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses, we see it in verses 10 through 13, we're not fighting, we're not warring against flesh and blood. Right. Now watch this. This is where is a very fine line, is it not? See, the first instinct we have, if we see someone that's not doing something that's right, we want to go ahead, we want to get in the flesh with them, and we want to go face to face, and we want to go ahead and duke it out, or we want to go ahead and get our sword, and we want to go ahead and cut their ears off. They are not the battle. Their battle is with the principalities, the demons, and the devil himself. It is a spiritual warfare. And we have lost sight of that in our society. And sometimes it's crept into the church. We're fighting battles uh, that are not meant to be fought in the flesh. They're meant to be fought in the spirit. And so here, what we're first thing we want to do, it, uh, Muslim, uh, here's our answer. Here's how we'll take care of them Muslims. We just go ahead and kill them all. You're not going to kill them all. Now, I'm not saying there's times when you have to go into that. I'm not saying that there's times when we must go into war. I'm not saying all that. But I'm saying is our first instinct is we'll go ahead and we'll nuke them before they nuke us. Or we'll go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and slap him before he gets a lick in on me. And when your children especially, you're fighting the battle and you're fighting against them when you ought to understand that it's Satan that's stirring them and Satan that's instigating all this mess that's going on in their lives. And then we're not fighting against social media per se. We're fighting against the principalities of the air. And we got to fight the war with the right weapons. And one of the most, the most accessible and the least weapon we use is prayer. There's a decision to be made in your household. What do you do? Can we afford this car? Well, let's just go ahead. Let's add up all our bills and see if we got any money left over. Can we make this thing happen? Not even consulting God about this. Before you make any decision, before you go into any battle, just like Joshua is showing, if you want to be victorious in your leadership, you've got to start on your knees. You've got to pray. You've got to seek God. You've got to say, oh God, will you show me what I need to do? I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. I'm not smart enough to figure this thing out. God, I need your help. And that's where many churches have messed up. 
Because we have allowed other agendas. We allowed the congregation's will to be done. And when we did not consult God and we're not looking to fight the battle and we're losing the battle because we're fighting with the wrong weapons. Here Joshua said, I, got, I know this battle. I got a burden. I want to be protective. But I also have come to realize I need to find out who's on my side. And going, we need to be aware. Okay, we, we're to be a shepherd. Now we're to be aware. What are we to be aware of? Well, here, we're to be aware of the Lord. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says that the man was standing and his sword was drawn. Now, here's how we do. We would go ahead and we'll get in a little battle. We'll get in a decision making. And then we'll, when we're about in the middle of it, we'll say, now, Lord, um, would you go ahead and uh, rubber stamp this for me? Isn't that the way we do it? Lord, you know, I, I, I figured it all up. I've added it up. And we're going to have just enough money to go ahead and make that house payment. So I think it's okay for us to go ahead and buy that house. And then you get into the house. And then you start seeing things that you didn't anticipate. Am I talking to someone here today? Get in the middle of that and think, oh, I didn't know that was going to, oh, I didn't know, oh, I, oh, I forgot about you had to pay taxes on this thing. And, and next thing we know, we got ourselves in financial problems. Why is that? We didn't consult the will of God. Or if we did, we didn't pay any attention to what he told us. Because this thing is about me and this will be so good for my family. I mean, you know, I'm going to go and buy that teenage boy of mine who just turned 16. I'm going to buy him a brand new car. I mean, because he's been such a good kid. And, and you know, we just think that's the right thing to do. What is wrong with you? He's 16 years old. And then something happens and you think, whoa. I thought I was doing my son a favor. Parents, it's okay if your child does not wear Jordans. It's okay if they don't wear the name brand. It's okay if they get a junker and a beater that I had when I got 16. A beater. How many of you got a beater when you were a hand-me-down? Where, you know, you, you, uh, you, uh, uh, that was gas was a dollar a gallon. Remember, I'm really aging myself now. And you would put uh, more oil than you did gas in it. You remember that? Yeah, I had one of those. And I didn't like it at first. It got made fun of it. I had a Ford Pinto. Y'all remember those? Yeah, hey, I'm proud. Okay. Had a Ford Pinto. I was leaving school one day and one of my buddies ran into the back of me. Squashed that thing, looked like an accordion. And the two guys that were sitting in the back, they were now up there right there by my ear. And I said, and I looked and, I, and they was going to total it. And we bought it back for $400. I drove that sucker around for about a year. 
Oh, they made fun of me. Oh, they made fun of me. But I'm telling you what, I was able to go and do some other things with my money instead of going and buy me a new car, even though my car looked like an accordion on wheels. I'm telling you, I was able to go and do some other things that I would never got to because I've got strapped down with a car payment and insurance payment like my other buddies did. Hey, you want to go out tonight, go eat dinner? No, I can't. I'm a little short of money. My car insurance is due. And I said, praise God, man. I'm driving a accordion. I don't care about no insurance (laughs) now we're making light of all this but it's reality hey God knows what we need and so here he says he's standing now watch this he was not standing to see what Joshua was going to do God already knew what he was going to do Here's where we miss the boat. See, God, we think sometimes it's just overlooking. He says, okay, what's Mike going to do today? How do, how do I to jump in there and get him out of that jam? No, 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 no. God knows exactly what he's going to do because his will for my life, his plan for my life, his purpose for my life was going ahead and taking care of even before the foundations of the world were established and he hasn't changed his mind no matter if I do something stupid or not. And so here, it's like a chess game. Now, I used to play checkers. uh, uh, And and here's what I learned. Uh, I did not do well because here's what I was doing. I was looking at that moment in time. I did not look ahead. I've been told to be a chess player or a good checker player, you have to think ahead. Okay? And so all I was interested in is, okay, he jumped that one. And so, okay, I got him. And then I would jump him, and then he would have a king, and I get jumped four or five times. Why? Because I didn't think ahead. God's already thought ahead. And so here, I'm, uh, he's not waiting for us. What we need to be doing is waiting for him. Where's God moving? That's what I need to get in. Experiencing God, a great study, and helped me to learn that many times we don't think ahead. We don't know what's going around the corner, but God does. And so where do I know I need to be? Where, where God's at. You're here today. You need to understand that we as a church family, we don't need uh, to be, uh, we need to be watching God and where is God. We don't need to be creating ministries just because we think it's a good ideal. We need to be creating ministries because God's working in that area already. Amen. Are you getting the picture here? Amen. And so here, he said, he's according to his will. Daniel 4.3 says, according to his will. Now watch this. And it talks about he has the army of heaven. He has the army of heaven. Amen. You didn't hear this. He has the army of heaven. Working with him. Now, a beautiful uh, biblical illustration there. It's in 2 Kings. In 2 Kings, chapter 19. In chapter, 2 Kings, chapter 19, you all know the story. The, the Syrian army is ready to come. They have a good track record. They're undefeated. 
And so now the king and everybody's up in the uproar. Oh man, they're going to come. They're going to take us. And, they're, and they're, you see them all through that chapter. They're praying about it and they're, and they're seeking God. And they're st- but they're still nervous about it. And they say, we don't know what we're going to do. Everything looks it's stacked against us. There's somebody here this morning. It looks like everything's stacked against you. It seems like you can't get anywhere. You're not able to go over your Jordan. You're not going to be able to get over your wall of Jericho because you look at the circumstances when you need to be taking your eyes off your circumstances and placing it upon him who has the uh, army of heaven fighting on our behalf. And in 2 Kings 19, we see the, uh, the military, everybody's upset. But during the night, the angel came. And 185,000 of the enemy was killed. Do you believe that story, Brother Mike? I believe that story. And I believe the same thing can happen in your life and in the life of this church. We look around and say, well, we can't do this. I don't want to get over this. Some of you, you're in a marriage right now. And you're thinking, I don't know. It, it just looks like we just need to go ahead and throw the towel in. Oh, my dear friend, don't throw the towel in. God is working for you. And he has the armies of heaven at our disposal. There's somebody here. You have a relationship with one of your children that's not going well. Maybe there's a young people here this morning. And you've been, you've been battered and, and, and you've been, uh, you've been uh, made fun of and, and you're struggling with something in your life. And you don't want nobody else to know about your life. And you're thinking, I, I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to do better. I believe I can do it. But it seems like I'm keep on hitting the wall. Keep on hitting the wall. My dear friend, you need to go and you just need to pray your cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he's for you. He's not against you. And he has the armies of heaven working working in your defense. You just keep hanging on to that promise of God. God has promised every one of us here today. He's promised that He will not leave nor forsake us. He's promised that we can have victories in our life. He promised Joshua. He promised Moses. And He's promising you here today. No matter what you're facing today, you can be victorious. You can be victorious. The angels of heaven are fighting for us. And so Joshua comes to realize the Lord told him, take his shoes off, Joshua. Where you're standing is holy ground. He told the same thing to Moses, did he not? And he's telling us here this morning, do you realize you're on holy ground? Do you realize the presence of Almighty God is here in this place? There's somebody here this morning that you've been defeated, you feel like I don't need to keep going on, what's the use? It's always going to be like this. But my dear friend, God is with you, not against you. And you're on holy ground. And when we're on holy ground, things that we never imagined can take place. There's somebody here that's lost, You've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I'm telling you, God is for you. God sent His only Son to die on an old rugged cross so that you could go free. 
People has told you that you're no good. People's told you you don't, you don't need to mess with him. He's nothing but trouble. But my dear friend, you don't have to stand before them on judgment day. You stand before a holy God. And this morning, I have the authority of the Word of God. No matter where you've been, no matter how deep you've gotten, and no matter how far away you've become, God can bring you to Him, and God can save you, and God can change your life and give you abundant life and give you eternal life. He can do it. Saved person, you're struggling. You're struggling with marriage. You're struggling with your relationship to your children. You're struggling with your work acquaintances. You're just struggling. There are some here today. You're struggling with health issues. I got by the authority of the Word of God. God says He can meet your needs. Why? Because you're on holy ground. Not holy because of who's preaching. Not holy because of anything. You're holy because God is holy. And God is in this place this morning. His presence is real. What you're feeling right now, lost person, what you're feeling right now is not an emotional, uh, you know, just kind of got an emotional about it. That's God speaking to your heart and God wants you saved. A person that is struggling, I want you to know you're feeling something. You're thinking, you know, maybe, maybe I can make it. Maybe I can make it. Oh, and then the devil comes in and says, there you are going thinking like that again. Oh, my dear friend, that's God speaking to you and God's wanting to set you free this morning. He wants to set you free from your bondage that you're in. He wants you to set you free from your sin. You're on holy ground.